Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. see you. My name is Chris. If we haven't met each other, it's great to have you guys with us. We are in a message series called Renew Your Mind. And uh, we, won't, we don't have a ton to do today. We aren't going to be here too long. Uh, we'll get you to your restaurant of choice here. As, as Josh likes to say, that Chang Thai buffet isn't going to eat itself. So I like that. So we're going to be in, in Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles and want to go there, and we're talking about, in this series, we're talking about the power of our minds, and uh, I need a little participation uh, today, and you're going to have to be really, really honest, okay? How many of you would say that you occasionally make decisions that make no sense and are sometimes irrational, okay? Anybody? All right. Rest of you perfect people, I guess, huh? You can sit there and... Polish your halos or whatever you want to do, but good, that's very honest of you. I too can make incredibly rational decisions. Maybe you can relate. Sometimes you make up your mind like, I'm going to eat, I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to eat good. Uh, uh, I'm eating healthy. And you do for like two days straight, and then somebody brings donuts to work. And so you say, I'll just eat one bite, which is a rational thought in itself, right? Nobody eats one bite of a donut. So then you go, well, I've ruined, I've ruined my, my diet for today, so this will be a cheat day. That's what we say. I'll just finish that donut off. I'll go back to eating healthy tomorrow, right, as if diets care what day it is. But then, then by the end of the day, you've eaten all 12 donuts and a cinnamon roll just to make sure you really get your money's worth out of your cheat day, right? You know, why do we do that? Or whatever it is. I'm going to be wise financially. So you go, you know, you're going to get out of debt, and for 11 straight days, you're making good decisions. Something in your house breaks, so you freak out. So to soothe your pain, you go to the mall and buy two pairs of shoes and an outfit to match, right? Why is it we do this? Why is it so many times when you know, we sh- you, know, you know you should apologize, we don't. When we know we should take responsibility, we do the opposite. When we know what's right, we do what's easy. Why is it that we often make irrational decisions? It's because our, our wires get a little bit crossed. And... and uh, when I was just a lad, we had this Volkswagen Jetta, and this was, this was kind of before like Jettas were cool. This was just a utility vehicle at the time. They used to have very, very vinyl seats, so it was a very painful car in the summertime when you wore shorts. So anyway, we had, we had some car work done on this car, and when we got it back, every time we turned left, the horn would beep. <laughs> so driving through town, make a left turn, the car's beeping. Everybody's looking. So you already know I was a shy kid, so I just wanted to just, just melt into the seat. It was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And my mom, would, she would just wave. <laughs> wave at all the people looking, which somehow made it worse. But why did the car beep when we turned left? There were wires that got crossed, right? And sometimes as humans on, uh, human beings on planet Earth, we get our wires crossed in our minds. And if you were here last week, we talked about what happens when you, when you think a thought. When your brain is not static. Your brain actually grows and evolves like a computer that's programming itself. So every time you think a thought, it becomes easier to think that thought again. 
And literally, your brain is creating neural pathways. A thought creates a pathway which makes it easier then to think that thought again, which is good news if you're thinking good thoughts. The problem is we often aren't. All through life, your thoughts are programming your brain. So if a, so if a baby smiles and the mama smiles back, the baby's brain says, okay, smiling is good. That's true, it's a good, and a good pathway is formed there. If a baby touches something hot, right now, hot. That's true, and the brain creates a good pathway that says hot is bad. Don't touch the things that are hot. If a baby wants candy, and the dad says, you know, no candy. And the baby's like, I want candy. Dad says, no candy. And the baby cries, and the dad gives the baby candy. The baby's brain makes a connection that crying is good. Even though that isn't true, right? So what's happening? Our brains are constantly evolving, creating neural pathways. It's good news when you think true thoughts. It's bad news when you believe lies. Because your brain basically kind of doubles down and and tends to believe the lies even more fiercely. What's the problem? The problem is the most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. And if, and if I can just be real transparent, um, my thoughts in so many seasons have been my number one worst enemy. That's why in this message series that I'm doing, I'm, I'm teaching about what I've been learning. Very practically how God is helping to renew my mind. So we're talking about the Apostle Paul. Last week we looked at the truth that Paul said. He said this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. He said, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, for, so for those of us who are followers of Christ, our weapons are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what's a stronghold? It's a wrong thought pattern. It, it means this, uh, it's got the connotation of a prisoner locked by deception. Who has believed lies that have put them in prison. So God's power dem- demolishes strongholds. That's why we demolish, we crush, we vanquish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's the, here's the important part. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we're letting God's truth renew our minds. We're looking at the Apostle Paul and the way he fought and won the battle of his mind and inspires me. Uh, he, from a Roman prison, he was writing from a Roman prison when he wanted to be in Rome preaching. He was locked up. He wrote this powerful, encouraging letter to the believers in Philippi. And he ends this letter with a word of encouragement. He doesn't say, I'm so discouraged. Will you pray for me? I'm hurting. Things are bad. I never thought this would happen. Where is God? At the end of his letter, he says one more thing. Don't forget this. He says this in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to do. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If there's one more thing I can tell you, Paul says, don't forget this. Of everything we've covered, remember this. Of everything we talked about, meditate on this truth. Fix your thoughts on God's truth. And I love the way the New King James Version translates the end of the verse. It says this. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Why does this matter? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your thoughts are shaping you. If you can't control what you think, you'll never ever control what you do. So we have to train our minds. How do you train your mind? 
is similar to training your body, right? If you go to the gym and lift weights, you're training your body. If I work on my mind, I'm training my mind towards truth. And, and then here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I just go to the gym and kind of work hard, throw some weights around and grunt, does that, that, that doesn't mean I'll be in good shape, really. Right? To be physically healthy, it's not just about what I do with my body. It's about what I put into my body. So to truly be healthy, what goes in has to be healthy. Not just what I do with it. The same is true with your mind. To truly have a, a healthy mind, it's not just about what you do with it, but it's also what you put into it. So what I've been doing is I've been focusing on, or focusing my mind and training it toward truth. It's training my mind towards God's truth. What I've been doing is I've been working on meditating towards truth. And some people may say, you know, meditation. Does that mean you're like a new age guy, right? You're one with the universe? Chanting, saying om, all that kind of stuff? No, that's not what I'm talking about. The Bible talks about meditation, and it talks about it over and over and over again. All through the Psalms, Joshua talks about meditation. It's all over the place. Yet in our culture right now, when you hear the word meditation, you probably think of kind of the transcendental meditation or Eastern meditation. They aren't the same thing, the Bible and transcendental meditation. They're actually almost opposites. Eastern meditation is this idea that we empty the mind of thoughts, empty the mind of logic, empty the mind of reason, uh, to unfocus the mind. Christian meditation is to focus one's thoughts. So here's why this is important. See, when you, when you study the Bible, what you're doing there, it's basically something that's, that's cognitive, right? You're learning what the truth is. When you study, the object is the Scripture. When you pray, the object is God. You're talking to God, you're telling him what you need, right? You're telling him who he is. You're talking about things to God. But the object of meditation is actually not the Bible, and, and it isn't God, it's, it's you. It's taking what you just learned cognitively, and working it into your mind and into your heart. So some of the most famous psalms are actually not prayers, but actually meditations. Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who's being addressed here? Psalmist is talking to himself, right? His soul. In Bible study, the object is the Bible. In prayer, the object is God. But in meditation, you're taking what you learned... And you are focusing your thoughts on it. You're renewing your mind. The essence of meditation is taking something you know cognitively and saying, I'm going I'm to flesh this out. What does this truth really mean? I'm going to think about the implications for how this affects how I live my life. Here are the applications for how I live my life and how I relate to my family. Here's the implications for how I work at my job. And a great way to meditate is, is with questions. So Martin Luther, Martin Luther kind of published his meditation questions. For example, he said, um, they were very simple. Luther would write down what the Bible verse says that he studied. Uh, then he'd ask three questions. He would say, how does this truth lead me to praise God? Secondly, what sins do I need to confess, to, confess in light of this truth? And thirdly, what do I need to ask God for in light of this truth? So if the truth is God is not just a king, but he's a father, if that's what the text says, Martin Luther would say, he would say, why is it great that he's a father? 
This is meditation. He would come up with 20 reasons why God is a father, uh, why it's great that God's a father, not just a king or a shepherd or something else. And he would say, here are 20 reasons I think it's wonderful that you're a father. And he would praise God for them. That's meditation. He would think them out. He'd focus on them. Then secondly, he would say, now in what ways am I actually treating God as if he's a father? In what ways am I, for, am I forgetting that he's a father in, in, in the ways that I live? And he'd confess those. Then he'd say, what do I need to ask God for in light of this? It's meditation. It is focusing your thoughts on the word of God. You know, maybe that's not going to be your approach. Another approach I've seen people do is they ask questions like this. Uh, you take a truth that you just read, and you say, if I really, really believe this, at the bottom of my, of my being, how would this change the way in which I live life, in the way I relate to my family? How would this change the way I relate to people at work? If I really believed I was redeemed, if I really believed I was loved, if I really believed this, how would it change my life? Application kind of questions. And it starts to create and strengthen the neural pathways uh, of God's truth. It's focusing on God's truth. And why should we do this? I don't know about you, but when my mind is not focused, it, it doesn't typically drift towards truth. It drifts towards lies. Also, if I am not focused when I try to pray, I'm a very ADD prayer, right? I don't know if any of you can relate, but oh man, I have good intentions. You know, dear God in heaven, I love you today, I worship you, and oh my gosh, I forgot to change the oil. Right? This happens. I forgot to send that text. And if you're not focused, right, my, prayers, my prayer lasts like 32 seconds, and I wonder even what happened. Did I even pray? What just happened here? Meditation is training my mind to focus on God's truth, and it will make your prayer life better. Meditating on truth. Take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Scientifically speaking, I'm creating new neural pathways. Spiritually speaking, I'm letting God's truth renew my mind. In Romans, Paul talks about Abraham and the fact that God came to Abraham and he made a promise. He told Abraham and his wife, and they were very old at the time, but he told them that they basically had to, they had to stick around and wait until Sarah had a son. God was asking for Abraham to kind of base his whole life on the fulfillment of a promise that seemed very unlikely. So what did Paul say Abraham did in Romans 4? It says, Being persuaded that God had the power to do what he said, he gave glory to God and wavered not at the promise. I love that. It says he started with informational knowledge, he knew God was, has the power, being persuaded that God has the power to do what he said. Abraham starts with knowledge. It's informational knowledge, and then he works it in. He meditated on, for, on the information, and he was persuaded. And so when this promise came that seemed like a long shot, Abraham didn't waver. Eastern meditation, it's passive. The whole idea behind transcendental, transcendental meditation is to Empty your mind to stop fighting. The whole idea of Christian meditation is to fill your mind and fight the truth in. It's the opposite of transcendental meditation. Eastern meditation is passive. Christian meditation is active. Transcendental meditation assumes the best thing for you is to empty your mind. Christian meditation says, no, that's, that's your problem. Your head's empty. You need to fill it with truth. 
was because if you can change your thinking, you can truly change your life. Your thoughts matter so much. So two questions we asked last week. The first question we asked was this. What, what stronghold is holding you back? At what point are you a hostage to a wrong mindset? Whatever it is. You're not good enough. You're not good enough after what you did. God can never use you. Um, you're always going to struggle financially. Everybody in your family does. Uh, you're never going to get ahead. You're never going to be a blessing to anybody. Relationally, you're a mess. Uh, you can never have true intimacy. You can never be close to anybody. You're always going to be a screw-up. Everybody in your family battles with weight. You're always going to battle with weight. Identify whatever the lie is that held you hostage. What's the stronghold that holds you back? Then what I want to ask you to do is to identify the truth. What truth demolishes that stronghold? You've got to name it. Write it down. Whatever it is. I'm not what I buy or what I have. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a hostage. I'm not a prisoner to that addiction. I have the power of Christ dwelling within me, and I can overcome that thing that has haunted me. God is for me. My God is a great provider. He will meet all my needs. I will be a blessing to others. Whatever it is, name the truth. Identify what the lie is, then identify the truth. And then this week, find a scripture or two that supports you in the truth. Then write them down. Write them out. Meditate on them. Focus your thoughts on the truth of God's word until you believe it. Write it. Think it. Meditate on the truth until you're persuaded. New neural pathways. The power of God's word renewing your mind so that you don't react to the lies that have held you hostage for in the past, but you respond with the truth. The truth that's dwelling in your brain. Write it, think it, meditate on the truth. Believe it. And maybe you're saying, I don't know what the lie is. I don't know what the lie is I'm believing. And that's kind of the downside to, be able to, uh, to, to being able to think about what you think about, right? You can, we can kind of lie to ourselves. We can hide things from ourselves, right? That's why I keep giving examples. So more examples, okay? Maybe you're a hostage to your fears, You lay awake at night wondering, worrying. Here's your meditation. Okay? Because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. 1 Peter 5 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's your meditation. Or maybe it's I, uh, you know, I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart, ruling my mind. Write it, think it, meditate on it until you believe it. Maybe you say, Maybe, your, problem, maybe your, your thing is, I don't know what to do. I can't make a decision. I don't know what God's will is. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. So you declare it. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him. Daily he directs my steps. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So we meditate on that. Maybe you lack confidence. Never good enough. Never measure, I'll never measure up. I never can make a difference. You declare the truth. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. Second Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And listen, you might feel foolish at first. 
You might be saying some things that you want to believe, but your life is saying something different. Keep on renewing your mind. Keep going. A few minutes every day. Sparking that brain that God so intricately created with new pathways of truth. Truth, 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 truth. Write it. Think it. Meditate on it until you believe it. And then one day it'll start to click. It will be truth. It's kind of two steps forward, one step back. Three steps forward, two steps back. But God is renewing your mind. And then one day it will click. And instead of reacting with a lie that has held you hostage for years or even decades, instead you respond with truth. And I want to be, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm going to tell you what I meditate on. And the reason that I meditate on this truth is because it's counteracting the lies that I battle with. Okay? As I talked about last week, for years I battled with the lie that you know, you're not good enough. No one wants to hear what you have to say. You're inadequate. You don't have what it takes. So here's what I battle with. I battle with putting God first because I'm too consumed with living up to others' expectations. Okay? So when I get overwhelmed, I take my family for granted, take my kids for granted, I dive into work, 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 work. Right? The pressure to accurately communicate God's truth in a way that engages people is a weight that I feel every single day of my life. The weight of being a leader in a church that God is blessing and staying submitted to his spirit and getting it right and dealing with the complexities of it, it's a burden that never really goes away. So what do I do? I renew my mind. I take in God's word every day. I focus. I meditate on the truth of God. I declare some truths about me from God's word and I pray for those around me which is important because it takes my mind off me. So this is what I declare about me. So every day I say this or something very similar to this. I say, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and I will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, my leadership is sharper. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Spirit of God dwells within me. I rejoice in suffering because Jesus suffered for me. I bring my best. The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. I always end with the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. Why do I do this? Why do I meditate on these truths? Because my life is moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You can't have a positive life when you have a negative mind. What comes into your mind comes out of your life. Remember, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Ours have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we take every thought captive. If you're believing lies, do something about it. Don't lose the battle. A few minutes a day, let God start to renew your mind. Could the uh, ushers pass the elements out, if you could? We're going to take communion. Uh, We're going to take communion together. As we take communion, um, we're going to focus our thoughts on a truth, okay? So before we take communion, we're going to take about three minutes and meditate on a truth today. And the truth is that God 
cares for us. We're going to play a video up here in just a little bit. Um, it's just going to have some scriptures on it. And it's about three minutes long. And we will, we will start that after communion has been passed out. Uh, hang on to your bread and juice and just focus your thoughts on the scriptures that you see. Communion is the time that we remember the love that Jesus has for us. So focus in on that. Try not to let your mind wander. Meditate on what the scriptures are saying about God and how he thinks about you. When the video is over, um, feel free to partake in communion and, and then I will pray. They're going to pass that out and we'll just wait for a minute to start the video. Feel free to take communion when you'd like. I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, the ultimate proof that you care for us and you love us is that you came and you gave your life to save us. So today we remember and thank you, Lord. I pray that your truth would set us free and help us to focus our minds, to meditate on you, your power, your goodness, your kingdom, your glory, your truth, your words. Help us to renew our mind, God. Help us not to react with lies. Lord God, help us to respond because because your truth dwells within us. We pray for victory. God, we pray for renewed minds. Lord, we know that we we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You are our helper. We will not be afraid. We are not a slave to our habits. We are not a prisoner to an addiction. We are empowered. We are called. We are chosen. We are the masterpiece of of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are for us. You are with us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We are who you say we are. Amen, Lord. We declare the truth. Help us to walk in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're free to go. The ministry team wants to come forward. Um, Come get forward. Come get prayed for. Lisa will be up here. Amen. Love you.